I think we'll get started here. Let you know I'm not going to go an hour and a half here, so don't worry about it. <laughs> We've got plenty of time to... to uh, a lot of things for my heart. Um, just wanted to let you know, I've been... Uh, I went to Master's Seminary. If you guys don't know, I'm Rick McLean. And when I graduated from seminary, I was looking for a church, you know, looking for a place to serve. And um, I got a phone call from one of our elders and said, uh, we want you to oversee our special needs ministry. And I go, what? And uh, this was 20 years ago. And so uh, the Lord really sovereignly put me in this world of disabilities. And he has me here. Um, there's been some opportunities over the years maybe to do something else. And yet God has had me in this ministry until I tell him, tells me to get out of here. So, but it's been a blessing to be involved in this ministry in so many ways. Um, and I'll, I'll have a chance to share some of those here this morning with you. But um, it's been a true joy. And, um, but you can pray, before I get started, you guys pray for this ministry because um, we've been hit really hard because of the pandemic. We've hit really, really hard. And um, most of our kids are not here. You know, I'd say maybe 15, 20% of the kids that normally, that are here uh, right now, the mo- and these are the ones with the families that go here to our church. But the kids that go to live in the group homes, they're not here. They have not been here now for two and a half years. So pray for this ministry because we don't know when they're going to let them come back here. And they've been vaccinated, they've, been, they've taken the boosters, and, but um, most of these facilities are owned by the state, so they're, they're the ones that are going to make the final call. So, but just pray. You notice we have all these vehicles out here. We've not been using them. Normally, we pick up about maybe 30 to 40 of these people. We bring them to church. So we haven't been able to use our vehicles. Uh, normally, we have two camps during the summer. We haven't been able to have those. We also have a Tuesday night outreach that we normally have called Grace Club, where we'll have maybe up to 100 that come on Tuesday nights. That's been a huge blessing because we're reaching the kids that don't go to church normally. We don't have that going on. So we've been hit really hard. Of all the ministries in this church, we've probably been hit the hardest here. Um, So I appreciate your prayers, if nothing else. And we're going to try to see maybe when the fall kicks in, uh, I'm going to meet with some of the directors. I know some of the directors in the area that, that oversee some of these group homes, and I'm going to meet with them and just see what's going on and what we can do to see if we can get... Because these kids, we have known them for 30 years. They've be, we've become their family, and so it's, it really grieves our heart when they're not here. We love them, and uh, we miss them, and they miss us. Uh, so it's, it's a real loss for all of us. So, But my goal here this morning is just to encourage you guys, because um, it's so clear from the Word of God the Lord loves these people, and what we're going to do here this morning is something I've never really done. We're going to go through the Bible. We're going to go through Genesis to Revelation and see what the Bible has to say about those with disabilities and what our responsibility is to be. So that's my desire here this morning. I don't have a really an outline. wish I had something. But we're going to go through the Old Testament, work our way through the Old Testament, and then we're going to work our way through the New Testament. But before we get started, let's pray. Father, I am thankful I could be here this morning just to uh, share a ministry that you called me to many years ago, um, and I have been the blessed for it. I think my wife would say the same. Uh, uh, these are special, unique people that you create, and uh, we're going to talk about that this morning. I just pray that you'd help me to speak clearly. I pray that the points are important that I would get across, and I pray at the end of the day this would encourage hearts here today. I know many of us here might know someone who's disabled in our families or friends that have deal with disabilities. I pray this will be an encouragement to them also. So just bless the time we have here this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's interesting, the term disability, I'm, I'm not going to try to insult your uh, intelligence here, but the term disability really is defi- defining a disability as a mental or physical impairment. Um, and it really affects the major activities, the activities that we tend to take for granted, walking, breathing, speaking, seeing, hearing, and thinking. This is where d- disability hits the most. Uh, and obviously, if you're limited to any of those areas, it's going to really have an effect on your life, and it's going to have an effect on the family. And uh, disabilities, a, a child or a person that has a disability is going to have a huge impact on the family. What's really interesting, though, is two of the fastest-growing disabilities right now both start out with A, autism and Alzheimer's. These are the two fastest-growing disabilities. Statistics say that one in 44 children now have the possibility of acquiring autism. One in 40, and interestingly, one in 27 are boys, and then one in 116 will be girls. It's interesting why that is, I don't know. There's a lot of studies on autism, why, it, why, why these kids are getting it, 
but right now there's just no answer at this point. Some, some say it may, may be environmental. For a while they thought it was shots that kids were getting, which now they, they say that's not true. Uh, it could be something that the mother has that's causing it, but they just don't know at this point. Alzheimer's is another issue. Seven million Americans have Alzheimer's. Most over the age of 65, uh, but people are also getting it younger now, in their 40s and 50s, which is really interesting. So these are the, the two fastest-growing disabilities. Okay, let's say you have a disability person in a family. This is going to have a huge impact on the family. And I, we, we're thankful that not only do we have disabled people in our church, but we have family to minister to because it's going to affect the marriage. It's going to affect the marriage. In fact, divorce rate can be up to 80% in, in uh, families, which is really sad. But where's it, where's it affecting them? Obviously, medical issues. Now, all of a sudden, their world of doctors, medical bills, trying to find out how to care for this one, trying to find out what's going to help this, this one. Um, now, for a, a couple that's going thought they never have. And now what do they do? What are we going to do with this child? But they're going to go to love this child in a very unique way. I have the blessing of getting to know a lot of the parents of children with disability, and they will tell me, first thing they will tell me is this child is the greatest blessing we've ever had in our life. That's quite a statement. And, and the love they have for this child is unbelievable. It's just amazing. God has given them that love to have for this child. But eventually they'll find the capacity how to love and care for this child. It's a journey. It's going to be a journey. For many of them, it's going to be a lifelong journey. For a lot of these kids, the kids will never go out of the house. They're going to have these kids for the rest of their lives. And it's going to be a journey. But it's going to be a great journey as I meet these parents that have these children. Yes, it will be hard. Financial issues, obviously. The financial strain on a family is going to be unbelievable. The demand for medical and therapeutic services. Do we have the right insurance to cover the bills? What's going to happen if, let's say, the primary wager in the family is disabled, maybe without Alzheimer's or with some physical issues? So financially, the family is hit very hard. Legal issues, when a family addresses someone with a disability, the legal ramifications are huge. The impact, financial accounts, wills, medical directives. Um, you, you have to develop a file to keep track of all this. Social issues, the family's now going to have to educate all their loved ones about this one they're caring for. What, is this person, what does this person in your family have? What's, what's the issue here? They may encounter prejudices. They may encounter stereotypes, awkwardness. Um, they may experience alienation from loved ones and friends. They might have people that will intrude with well-meaning ideas, but misguided ideas. Everybody's going to have their opinion, what you need to do with this child. Obviously, the testing of your faith is going to be there. Lord, why do we have this child? Why, why does this person in our family sick? Why are they ill? Why do they have Alzheimer's? What, what is going on, God? What are you doing here? But again, the strain of the family is huge. And the, the issue that gets hit the most is the marriage. The marriage is what hits the hardest. And it's sad to see the divorce rate is so high. And in most cases, sadly to say, the husband leaves. The husband leaves. Also, Another issue is we struggle with someone with disability. I don't know for you, but for me, I, I used to be, I was uncomfortable around people with disabilities. And I want to tell you a funny story here. We had a gentleman in our church. He's not here anymore. He's, he, he had um, cerebral palsy. In fact, these vehicles out here that we have, we normally pick up about 12 to 15 cerebral palsy people. We used to bring them to our church for 25 years. And obviously they're not coming right now. But we had one gentleman though that used to come here for years. His name was Tony. And he was, usually with cerebral palsy, you're gonna, it's going to affect you physically. You're going to notice immediately there's something different about this guy. He's kind of hunched over, can't talk. I used to stay away from this guy when I'd see him on campus. I was uncomfortable. I didn't know what to say to him. Uh, I didn't know if he could talk to me. I, I thought maybe he was mentally gone, which people tend to think, which isn't really true. Anyway, when I became pastor here, Tony's part of this ministry. So the Lord... Would you know, the first event we had was a, a luncheon we had on a Saturday, and I had to feed Tony. And Tony had trouble swallowing. Half the food that he would eat would, go up, would spit out. He would spit out. But the Lord was testing me. He was saying, okay, you want to be pastor over this ministry? I'm going to test you. First camp I went to as a pastor, I went, stayed in a tent with a guy. The first night, he went to the bathroom all over the tent. <laughs> he, 
I had to clean that up. The Lord's saying, okay, you want to serve in this ministry? This is what you've got to do. So um, it was, it was a great, it's, it, it's been an adventure for me, and it still is an adventure. But the issue is I get back to is, if I was to have a disabled person in this room, the number one thing they would want is you to be their friend. They want you to be their friend, your buddy. You know, They want to be treated just like anybody else. But we are uncomfortable. That's the problem. We are uncomfortable around them. They look different. A poll was taken a few years ago saying that 50% of people feel uncomfortable around those with disabilities. It's no insult to any of us. It's just what it is. They're different. I think they don't, we don't know if they're going to talk. We don't know if they're going to understand us when we talk with them. Uh, their behavior and speech pattern can be odd. They may be missing a limb. They may be hunched over. They may, be, they may smell. This is what it is. There can be some fear, kind of fears. Johnny Erickson Tata once said that I, she goes, when I'm around people, I can tell the ones who are nervous around me. I can tell the ones that are uncomfortable around me. And she goes, I don't know what to say to them that will help them. She goes, how would you feel, though, if you're sitting in a laundromat and people are, are staying away from you? They're like, oh, we don't want to be around this gal. She goes, how would you feel about that? So it's, the uncomfortableness is there. But I think a lot of it is just a lack of awareness and knowledge. We just don't understand. We're not, I don't think we're all experts on cerebral palsy here. Or, or dementia, or, or autism, and we just don't know what to say. We, we're scared, and, and that's understandable. And I had to work through all that as a pastor. The first time I served, the first one of the first nights I served in this ministry as the pastor, we have a, we have a Tuesday night out group. We have a hundred of them that would come on Tuesday nights. I went to the gym. We have a hundred mentally disabled people in there. I literally walked to the back corner of the gym, and I had to pray and ask God, Lord, I, I, what is this here? This is a, a world that I didn't know anything about. So I had to work my way through it also. But realize, don't, don't feel bad if you feel uncomfortable, but realize that these people, at the end of the day, there is a lot more that meets the eye than what you see. Just to encourage you. What we see is not what's going on with these people. There's, they are a lot sharper and smarter than you realize. One of our guys that was cerebral, had cerebral palsy, who couldn't talk, worked for the city of Los Angeles. At UCLA, he would write up tickets for guys that were parking in Handicapped parking spaces. <laughs> and this guy did really good at it. And he was in a wheelchair. They, they figured, you know, he, he kind of stayed off the side. And, uh, but it, we, there's just more to meets the eye. And I think we have to give them that chance to realize that. But it's, it is a challenge. Okay, so we're going to go through the Bible here. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. We're going to work our way through Genesis to Revelation here this morning and just hit on some some key things. Um, one of my seminary professors, Dave Duell, he taught uh, Hebrew here. I don't know if any of you remember who Dave Duell was. It's been a few years he taught here. They had a disabled child, and he went through Genesis to Revelation. He found all the scriptures. So I'm gleaning a little bit from Dave Duell here this morning because he did such a good job of finding all the key verses that we need to know about through scripture. And there's not a whole lot, but there are verses there. There is verses that we can talk about and we can look at but we're really going to see at the end of the day, though, we're going to see the heart of God towards these people. We're going to see the heart of God. There is a story. And the story includes dis- disabilities. And God plays a pivotal role with these people in Scripture. Pivotal role. And yes, there's not a whole lot of verses that we're going to look at. Otherwise, we'd be here for two hours. But there is a lot of verses that we can look at, some. And so we're going to start out first in Genesis. In Genesis 1, where God says, in the beginning, he created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve... As we know, he created them to live forever, right? They were going to live forever with God. They were going to have a loving relationship with him in the garden. But what happened? Well, let's turn to Genesis. Unfortunately, God had warned them that there's a tree over there. Stay away from that tree. He says, if you eat from that tree, you will die. You'll eat from that tree, you will die. And then chapter 3 really talks about the fall of man here. Chapter 3. And the consequences to their disobedience. And really, at the end of the day, what did they do? We were cursed. This whole planet was cursed. And this is where brokenness begins. This was not God's original intent. But this is where brokenness begins. And now we see the brokenness in this world. Now, the question is, people say, how can a loving God allow people to be disabled? Why would God have some people to have disabilities? Well, I want to share here that God assumes the responsibility for disabilities. 
He might not necessarily, we're not talking about the fact that he's the just cause of it, but he's the upholder, he's the enabler, he's the final rescuer of people with disabilities. That's his responsibility. We don't blame him for those with disabilities, but we understand that, that God is, is the creator. He is the creator. And let's turn to Ephesians 4.11. I mean, Exodus 4.11, excuse me, Exodus 4.11. He has an interesting discussion with Moses here. Moses, I can relate with Moses. Moses doesn't, doesn't think he's that gifted of a speaker. He says, God, in, in verse 10 here of, of Exodus 4, he says, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Well, the Lord says to him, well, Moses, who has made man's mouth? Who makes, who makes him mute or deaf or, or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God makes it clear that he, he creates people with disabilities. Now, the, always the question is, yes, why, God? Why? What's going on here? But God takes the credit for creating the deaf, the blind, the crippled, and he has good reasons for it, though. This is not a mistake that God made. He has good reasons. So, so it's really not up to us to question God on why he creates these people. You know, and it's sad for, de- for decades, abortion rights and death without dignity has used quality of life talk to advance their agenda. But God makes no distinction between the quality of life and life itself. Every human life, whether typical or disabled, is valuable in the eyes of God. Is valuable in the eyes of God. And one of the beauties of disability is that it challenges us to measure our value of human life. What's important? What is important to us? But he has uniquely created people with disabilities for a reason and a purpose. Let's turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is one of the great chapters of Psalms talking about God's omnipotence, his omnipresence, just talking about how awesome God is. But we hit the section here where he talks about creation, verses 13 to 17 in Psalm 139. His involvement in the womb says here in verse 13 of Psalm 139, For you form my inward parts, You woe me in my mother's wombs. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my informed substance. In your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was none, not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Saying or David is saying here that you were involved in the development. You're totally involved in that development, that child of that womb. This is, this is a special place that God has. He cre- he's involved in the creation of these special people. And God, the human productive process from conception to birth and life-standing environment of the womb is guarded by God. This is... Nothing will be done harm to it unless God allows it. The womb is where God performs his most glorious creative work of crafting human beings, and no two are exactly alike, which is amazing in itself. In Psalm, let's go back to Psalm 71, 5 to 6. We see Psalm 71, 5 to 6. Talking about creation here. says here, for you are my hope, O Lord God, you are my confidence from my youth. By you I have been sustained from my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's room. My praise is continually of you. The good person is God guides his uniquely crafted human life. He crafts these human lives. And it's always for good. It's always for good. Then we see Job 10, 9 to 12. Let's turn back to Job 10. Job is having an interesting discussions with his counselors. Job had some amazing, interesting counselors that really, really went after him, kind of unfairly. But he wants to, talk, wants to talk about the fact that how he was born, his birth. And he says here in Job 10, 9 to 12, 
Remember thou that you've made me as clay and you would turn me into dust again. Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? Clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews? You have granted me life and loving kindness and you care. your care has preserved my spirit. He's answering the question of why he was born. Why he was born. And this is a good reminder of all Every human is of measurable value regardless of abilities or disabilities or how long the person even lives. Every unborn human life has an untold potential to praise God. Everyone, disabled or not, to praise God. Even the cry of an infant is a tribute to God. You know, I've baptized two disabled people this year. I don't know if you guys watched those. And it's such a joy. We had one gal just recently baptized. She's been coming for maybe 15 years to our Sunday school class. And just slowly but surely, she started to get it. And we slowly began to see a change in her life. So what a joy for me to be able to baptize her. What a joy for me. All right, let's go back to the Bible here. Something I, I, I hate to share, but we need to talk about the history of those with disabilities because it's a sad history as far as their treatment. Um, just let you know, things are better today, but the history is not fun to look at, but we need to look at it. In the Old Testament times, their treatment ranged from completely rejecting and mistreating these people. A rejection was a normal treatment. Most babies with disabilities were left to die by exposure shortly after birth. If they survived, they were treated as outcasts, consigned to a miserable life of begging, prostitution, being taken advantage of. Usually they suffered a premature death. The other extreme was people. This was that they might be worshipped. It's interesting they had a, a king in Egypt that was worshipped because he looked different. Maybe he was hunched over and people look, looked at him like he was kind of different, but they worshipped this guy. But still he was treated as an outcast, rejected, then we've got also treatments that they think, people think, uh, this was really, really popular in, in the biblical times, that if you had a disabled child, is because the parents did something wrong. It's the parents' fault that they, that they did something wrong for the child to be disabled. So the history is not, is not good. We look at, uh, they were abandoned at birth, banished from society. As we move further in the centuries, they were used as court jesters, burned during the Inquisition, gassed in Nazi Germany, and still these are today are segregated, institutionalized, euthanized, and murdered. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, but many of our abortions are because they find out they're going to have a disabled child. Now, we believe here at Grace that that little child is going to, is going to be absent from the body, what? Present with the Lord. We can rejoice in that, but that's still a sad commentary on this, on our country, where you, you can find out now with, with the treatments, you can find out what your child's going to be, and if it's disabled, we don't want it. And this is the sad history of disabilities. And unfortunately, because of the sin, we groan. We groan in pain because of the sin. Let's turn to Romans 8. We were talking about the curse that the sin caused. Romans 8 talks about the groaning we have because of sin, the groaning in our bodies. I think all of us that have physical problems, we begin to groan, back aches or something, or any aches and pains, I'm, I'm getting problems with my neck right now as I'm getting old here. We can groan, right, in these bodies that we live in, especially as we get older. Let's specifically, we're going to look at Romans 8, 19 to 25. Romans 8, 19 to 25. Paul talking here. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption in the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know the whole cre- creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth together until now. So we have the suffering and groaning. And something that's important to realize here, people with disabilities are particularly been, been, can seen as their aberrations. They are viewed as an abnormal part of a normal world. That's how the world looks at these people. Abnormal in a normal world. This is why we're caught off guard when someone with disability, because they are different. They're viewed outside the mainstream. They are, they're treated this way. Again, we're talking about the world, not necessarily the church. 
They're looked at as abnormal. Now, you can see it doesn't take much of a nation to understand that people, disabled people would be resentful for being seen that way, that they're not normal and, you know, we want you outside the world. We don't want you, kind of, we don't want you a little away from us. But no one wants to be considered unacceptable to the rest of the human race. So the perspective of abnormality has been the basis and even the justification for the mistreatments that they get, for the way they've been treated. This is an important statement here. We must understand that disability is a normal part of an abnormal world. Let's get them switched in the right place. It's a, it's a normal part of an abnormal world. That's what disability is. It's a normal part of our lives. Yes, it's unpredictable. It occurs along a degree of irregularity. But when we, we look at the biblical accounts of creation and, and the disabilities and the history of it, reflect on the fact that disabilities is a normal part of an abnormal world. We're li- we live in a broken world is what I'm getting at. As Romans 8.20 says, the creation is subjected to futility, not willing, but because subjected to it. Our world has become an abnormal world because of sin. And brokenness and difficulty were introduced in this world because of sin. It's a cursed world. We live in a cursed world. And the Marian creation permeated not only the spiritual, it affected the physical, intellectual, emotional, psychological, and social. And these effects continue today. And that's why we groan, Romans 8.22. Well, what does this mean? Doesn't, everything has been affected by the fall, number one. Everything has been affected by the fall. And yes, there's a mixture of blessedness and of creation, yes, but brokenness because of the fall. And because of God's image, because of God's um, grace, we can be part of a damaged but not destroyed world that God has created. And he's created everyone for a purpose. And we've all been a creative experience, some form of brokenness. We're all broken. I just want to tell you right now, all of us in this room are broken. It's just, it's broken. Our brokenness is it's not shown. We hide our brokenness. Whereas disabled people, what? Your brokenness is visible. It's more visible. That's the difference. And as we get older, we're going to feel the brokenness more. And the brokenness will be more noticeable. What are we applying here? Disability is essentially a more noticeable form of brokenness that is really a very common in our life experience and is normal part of an abnormal life. It's a difference on a degree of spectrum and it contains difficulty, yes, all along its length. But the issue is that God did not make a mistake when he created the human race. He did not make us any... And we said, it says here, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful your works, God. God planned everyone. He planned all of us. He knows exactly what he's doing. So we have a God that is all good. He's all powerful. He, suffering and evil do exist in this world. And I know we all can struggle with that. How can a loving God allow this suffering and evil in the world? But God knows what he's doing. We have a good and powerful God who has good reasons for moral and physical suffering and evil does exist. There's nothing else you can get out of this. And God uses disabilities to show us our own sin, to show us our sinfulness too. All right, let's go back. We're going to go back to some scriptures that really encourage our hearts on how God views disabilities and how he wants to care for these people. He has, his heart is to have people care for these people, for us to care for them. Let's look at Leviticus 19.14. We're going to start there. Leviticus 19.14. And these are interesting. We're talking, one of the most difficult books for, for me to read is Leviticus. It's a little bit of a challenge because there's all these laws and for all kinds of things. They call these the sundry laws here. But this section is really talking about practical application for holy conduct. But as we get here to verse 14, it says here, You shall not curse a deaf man, nor place a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall revere your God, I am the Lord. He's, this is God's saying that we need to fear God and care for these people. Then he says also, if we skip to Deuteronomy 27, 18, Deuteronomy 27, 18, talking about many of the curses here in this particular section in Deuteronomy. Cursed is the one that does this, cursed is the one that does that. But he gets to verse 18 here of Deuteronomy 27. And he says, cursed is he who misleads a blind person on the road. And the people all said, amen. 
He's saying here, we need to make sure that we don't abuse the blind man. We, don't ta- we take care of the blind man. All right, we're going to go to Job now. Let's move to Job here as we move along here. Job 29. The book of Job here. And this is interesting because Job is having a discussion with his people that like to make fun of him and, and mock him. And Job is trying to defend himself about the fact that, you know, I'm not, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm a pretty good person. And in Job 29, 15 here, he explains here, I was eyes to the blind and fleet to the lame. I was a father needy. I investigated the case which I did not know. Job is saying that I cared for these people. I cared for those who were blind, they're sight impaired. I helped those with disabilities. I had a heart for these kind of people. And I, want, I desire to be compassionate to these people. All right, let's turn to 2 Samuel. We'll see King David. And you might know this story in, in 2 Samuel. If I can pronounce his name right, it's Meshibosheth. I think I pronounced it right. <laughs> Say that quickly a couple times. You might not be able to get it right. 2 Samuel 4.4. David's closest friend was Jonathan. If you remember the story, they became beloved friends with each other. And in verse 4 here, 2 Samuel 4, we hear about this unique son that Jonathan has. In verse 4 here, 2 Samuel says, Now Jonathan's son, son, Saul's son, had a son crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. It happened in a hurry to flee, and he fell and became lame, and his name was Meshibosheth. Now let's go to chapter 9 here of 2 Samuel, and we'll see what happens with David, his compassion and love for this man. We're going to go back to verse 6 here of 2 Samuel 9. It says, Meshibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And, said, and David said, Meshibosheth, he said, here is your servant. David said, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore you to all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. And it's interesting what he says here in verse 8. He says, he prostrated himself and said, what is your servant that you would guard a dead dog like me? A dead dog like me. Interesting statement that he makes. I think he, he felt like he was contemptible and he was useless. And that's what a lot of our disabled people think. They, think. they feel that they're useless. We have the blessing over the years to have many of them serve in our Shepherds Conference. I don't know if you've ever seen any of them. And they love to serve. And we try to give them opportunities to serve as much as they can. And then down, down to verse 13 here of 2 Samuel 9, we see here, So Meshivoseth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly, and he was lame in both feet. Great story of David's love and compassion. A side of David that... that Many of us maybe not, had not seen. All right, we're going to look at Isaiah to Malachi, just a few scriptures from Isaiah to Malachi, which shows the future hope for those with disabilities. This is a future promise for those with disabilities. And we're first going to look at Micah. Now, we're, I'm going to test all you guys as we go into these uh, small prophet books. They're hard to find. <laughs> so I'll give you some time to find Micah. I, I can tell you it's after Jonah. It's he's before Nahum. <laughs> Micah 4, 6. We're going to go through some of these minor prophets. And many of them are uh, talk about the future messianic kingdom is what we're going to be talking about here. We're talking about heaven. And we're going to see what God's plan is for those with disabilities in the messianic kingdom and in heaven. In verse 6, though, of Micah 4, he says, In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather the outcasts, even those who I have afflicted. Reminds us that God assumes, this is where God, we see God's responsibility for those with disabilities. He's going to heal them eventually. They're going to be healed. And there's many other passages that show this kindness too. Let's go back to uh, Psalm 146.8. Psalm 146.8, towards the end of the book of Psalm. Psalm 146.8. talking about future things here. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. And someday, 
Those that were blind are going to have their eyes opened. Now, let's, we're going to go to Isaiah 29.18 as we keep working through here. Isaiah 29.18. 29.18. This is where Jerusalem was being warned about their disobedience, but also he talks about hope. And in verse 18 of Isaiah 29, it says here, On that day the deaf will hear words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of blind will see. Now, this, some, some, of this, some people may say this is talking about spiritual blindness for Israel, but Jesus is also just giving the words and applying of the, the physically being healed, the deaf and blind being healed. This is the hope for these people with disabilities. Now, again, we're talking about people that know the Lord. These are disabled people that know the Lord. And we'll talk a little bit, a little bit later about one of the battles that I struggle with as a pastor here. When we have a disabled people in our ministry, okay, do, are they going to go to heaven or are they at the age of accountability? That's the battle I struggled with more than anything when I first became pastor because I want to know these, whether these people are going to be saved or not. And it's a fine line, age of accountability and what they know and what they don't know and are, are they going to go to heaven? That's why we've been faithful just give them the gospel every week. We just give them the gospel every week and trust the Lord. The Lord will work on their hearts and do what he wants. But I believe the ones that are severely disabled, low, the low-functioning ones, are all be with the Lord in heaven. And I, I believe that. I think our pastor would believe that too. All right, let's look, let's look at Isaiah 35. Go up a few more pages. Isaiah 35, 6. The happy future we have, Israel has. He's talking about the future hope that they have. And in verse 6 of Isaiah 35, he says, The lame will leak like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy, and the waters will break forth in the wilderness. God's restoration during the millennial age to those that have disabilities. A great future for these people. Now, God, some God will also deliver these people from the oppressors. They, we, I shared the history of these people, how they've been treated. And even today, they're mistreated in many ways. Um, how they've been oppressed. Zephaniah. Okay, I'm really going to test you here to find Zephaniah. <laughs> Zephaniah 319. It's before Haggai, and it's after Habakkuk, I think. Zephaniah 319. And this was a verse I had never seen before. Didn't even know it was in the book, in the Bible. Interesting, talking about the fact that they're going to be rescued from the shame and the way they've been treated. But, says here, Behold, I'm going to deal at that time with all your oppressors. I will save the lame and the gather the outcasts. I will turn their shame into praise and renown all the earth. The shame spoken of is not only due to the sinning against God, people the way that people have treated him, the inexcusable uh, social rejection and mistreatment of these peoples over the history. God is going to deal with those peoples that mistreated those with disabilities. They're all going to have to stand for the Lord someday. God warns of this and will punish that in the future. All right, let's, we're going to go to the New Testament now, and we're going to look at Jesus' heart towards those with disabilities. Because, yes, Jesus came to the world to die on the cross for our sins, and we're thankful for that. But he also came, came to repair the effects of the curse. And we see through many of the healings that he does that he, he is really... Uh, showing a love and, and, and compassion and grace for these people. And there's different reasons why he heals these people. There's different really reasons why he heals these people. And we'll be talking about that in a minute. But God's plan for these people is no different than us. He wants them to glorify God and he wants them to love God and have a relationship with God. It's no different. It's no different. And that's why he, wants to, that's why he ministers to these people. And yes, he shows compassion. We're going to see that. But at the end of the day, I think when he heals these people, he's showing his compassion he also is bringing glory to God for what he does. And I think he's also demonstrating that he's not just a man, right? He's the son of God, that he can heal someone. And he healed just about every imaginable disease, possibly healed. I don't think there was one that he didn't, Yet, let alone raising people from the dead, raising people from the dead. Remember that story of Lazarus? I think he'd been dead for four days and he smelled his body was deteriorating and God raised him from the dead. He had his grave clothes on. He walked out of the grave with his grave clothes, taking his grave clothes off. That's how amazing and the power that Christ has. 
But let's look at Matthew 20 for also first. Matthew 20, 34. Matthew 20, verse 34. And I'm going to go back to verse 29 here. This is an amazing story. I want to share this story. This is about two blind men. They're on the roadside. And Jesus is going to come through with his disciples. And of course, there's a multitude of people following him. But in Matthew 20, verse 29, let's look at this story. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And two blind men sitting on the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out and said, Lord, have mercy on me, son of David. Well, the crowd sternly told them to be quiet. But they cried out all the more and said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. They were maybe a little obnoxious, very loud, boisterous. Uh, these men could have been dirty, smelly, maybe look kind of grubby. And it's almost like you could, you could sense the disciples saying, let's just, let's move on, Jesus. We don't want to be around these people. They, they look kind of funny. They're loud. They're obnoxious. Let's, let's move on. But what does Jesus do here? He, see, he stopped. He just literally stopped and called them over to him. He says, go get them. Bring them to me. And you could see the disciples, you could sense them scratching their heads like, what, what do you want to have to spend any time with these guys? Then Jesus in verse 32 says, what do you want me to do? He asked these blind men. And they said, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And then in verse 34, he says, move with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they were gaining their sight and followed him. What a great indication of his compassion for these people. And I think we all at times, I shared earlier, we all at times want to just, you know, okay, there's a sale person there. I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on here. I don't know what to do with this guy or this gal. What an example for Jesus literally stopping in his tracks, stopping everything. What an example to the people and all the multitudes that were there. What was he telling them? What a great message that he was giving to them. And then earlier we talked about the issue of sin. Let's turn to John 9. We talked about the issue of sin that the disciples were kind of tr- trying to figure out, why are these guys blind? Why, are, why is this man blind? John 9, 1 to 3. I think the disciples were struggling with, with some of the healings that Jesus did. I think they couldn't quite get what he was doing. John 9, though, they, they pass, what is they pass by a blind man, and the disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he'd be born blind? They're just trying to figure this out. Now, sin could be a cause of suffering. Don't get me wrong. At times, it can, as in Scripture. But the disciples assumed, like most of the Jews of that day, that sin was the primary and exclusive cause of suffering, and it was from the parents. They're the ones. They're the bad guys here. But what does Jesus say here? In verse 3, he answers them and said, It was neither this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so the works of God might be displayed in him. If we really wanted to see the works of God in the Bible, it was through his healings. I mean, let's face, if we really want to see what Jesus is all about is all the amazing healings he did. He showed people he wasn't just a man. Yet it's sad that the uh, Pharisees and many of uh, the people that followed him rejected that. Doesn't that sh- show you that when your eyes are blind, you just don't get it? Doesn't that speak of our world today? <laughs> what's going on in our world today? People are just so blind to what's going on in this world. But that's what happens. You get blind to this. And these people were, had words. I mean, they were right there to watch these amazing miracles. And yet they rejected all the miracles he did and just said he was of the devil. Some of them would say he's of the devil. He's doing this, which is even more crazy. Also, though, we see Jesus' compassion. Also, his healings was really bringing glory to God, bringing glory to God and really causing people to glorify God because of his healings, let's look at Matthew 15. Matthew 15, 30 to 31. You guys are doing a good job. We're going through the scriptures here, and maybe these are verses that some of you haven't looked at. I honestly had not seen a lot of these. Matthew 15, 30 to 31. And here, we see here, the crowds are with him. They're always there with him as witnesses of what he's going to be doing. In verse, let's go back to verse 29 here. He says, And departing from there, Jesus went along by the son of Galilee and had gone up to the mountain. Large crowds came to him, bringing him those that were lame. They would bring him these people, the lame, the crippled, the blind, the mute, and many others. And they laid him at his feet. Can you picture that? They're just fighting these people. 
wherever they could find him and bring and laid him in front of him on his, in his feet. And he healed him, it says. But look at the crowd's response here. This is what he's trying to teach the crowd something here. The crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. I think this is what Christ wanted. This was that he should get the glory for this. And then I think the last, he healed people because he wanted to show them that he was the son of God. That We were talking about that. Let's go to Luke. This is an interesting section of the Bible. Luke 7. John the Baptist is trying to figure out who Christ is. He's, he, he believes he's the Messiah, but he's not quite sure. And in, in verse, uh, let's go back to verse 18 of Luke, uh, Luke 7. Luke 18. It says, So the disciples of John reported him about all these things. They summoned the two of the disciples. John sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? Let's go to verse 20. It says, When he came to them and said, John the Baptist was sent us to ask you, Are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? And at that very time, he cured many people's diseases, the afflictions, the evil spirits. He gave sight to many who were blind. So he answered them and said, Go tell John that what you've seen and heard, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and poor have the gospel been preached to them. We preach the gospel to the poor. We know that Christ didn't come for the righteous, right? He came for who? The brokenhearted, the poor in spirit. So we can see he has a heart for these people. And And I think John wanted to really make sure Jesus is the one that's doing all this. All right, I want to talk a little bit about some wrong ideas, again, about disabilities. As we're working through, we're going to take a little break here just for a minute. I want to talk about um, just some wrong perceptions that are about Jesus. And some of these were from the Old Testament times, and some are even going on today. One issue is that God doesn't love people with disabilities, which is hard to understand. But this was very popular in the time of Christ, and this really came from some pagan beliefs, some pagan beliefs that, that made it clear that God disapproved of these people. And that's why they were disabled. And he's allowed them. But as we've seen through Scripture, that's completely contrary. Christ loves these people and has a purpose for them. And he uses them not only for, to bring glory to himself, but to work on us too. To work on us too. And again, we talked about earlier, it's not the parent's sin that caused this. That's another, another false idea that we talked about earlier. It's not the, the sin of the parent's now, there are some children that are, that are drug babies that were born from parents that were drinking. Yeah, there are those issues. But in most cases, you can't just point the finger at the parents. But another issue that's interesting, they, uh, there's been that assumption that people with disabilities lack faith. And if they had the faith, strong faith, they'd be healed. We get that from the charismatic churches. You know, it's interesting that Johnny Erickson Tata, when she you know, broke her neck early on, she went to every faith healer possible to see if she could get healed. She, was, she wanted to get healed, and she had met a man. The Lord had brought a man in her life that was sort of a charismatic kind of guy. He was from a charismatic church. They became friends, and he's the one that kind of encouraged her. Let's go around, and let's see if somebody can heal you. But what would, ha- what would happen was she would go to these great faith healers. I think there was one lady at that time that was really big, and I'm forgetting her name. Maybe I don't know if you remember her name, but she was very popular, and they took her, Johnny to her, and basically they pushed Johnny out the door. They wouldn't even deal with her. They would not even deal with her. So what did that say to Johnny? That was a good lesson for Johnny to learn that, you know, maybe God's not going to heal me and he has another purpose in my life. But let me tell you, we have many people in our church that love the Lord that are disabled and they have great faith. Obviously, Johnny becomes a real real example to all of us with her life, amazing life. She's one of the oldest living quadriplegics now. She's 71 or two now and she keeps going strong. She's just an amazing lady. I've had the pleasure of going out to her. You should visit her, her place, her uh, offices where they are out in Agora. You should go out there and visit her sometime. And just they'll, let you, they'll give you a tour of her place. You get to see her uh, paintings. It's an amazing place. But I've gone out there, and she is so joyful all the time. It's just amazing the joy that she has. She's such a great, great testimony. Okay, we've talked about God's love here, and, and we see it all through the scriptures. Now, it's important. What is our response here? What should our response? What is God doing to these people for us? Because he is doing something to us. He has a purpose to bring these people in the world for our purposes and reasons for us. 
Obviously, he wants us to love these people. He wants us to love these people. And our, our mission, if we had a mission, if I could say we had a mission, was to serve these people and love them. Now, don't get me wrong. Not everybody's going to have the, that's their gift to serve these people. I'm not saying that we all need to go out of this room today and serve in special ministries. We wouldn't have enough work for you to do right now anyway. But anyway, but we need to have a heart for these people. That's all he's saying. We need to make sure that we're compassionate when there's opportunities to be around them. We need to be compassionate to them and loving. Um, let's turn to Matthew 18, 20, rather, Matthew 28, 18 and 20. And our mission to them is no different than anybody else. Matthew 18, it's towards the end of the book of Matthew. And I'm sure you probably know what I'm going at here, what verses I'm looking at. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says here that, Go there and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded to you. We treat them like anyone else. We give them the gospel. We teach them. The tr- Our Sunday school classes, every Sunday, if you guys were to visit, we give them the gospel every single week. We don't, that does, has not changed over the years. We want to be compassionate to them. Compassion is important. We want to love them and be compassionate. But we also want to be con- concerned about their spiritual condition. That doesn't change. We want to be concerned about their spiritual condition. Their spiritual matters are just as important. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. This really tells us what the church is to do with these people. What's interesting, too, just to let you know, I think when we started this ministry in the 70s, we started this ministry in 1976, I believe, we might have been one of the first churches that had had a disabled ministry at that time. And then we became, in the 80s, we became the first church that had a pastor, we had Stan Carter here. He was the first. He might have been the first pastor um, ever over a disabled ministry. But when we started this ministry, I think we had some very unique men that came and helped this ministry get going. In fact, Sam Britton, you may know him. He's one of our founding members, was involved here at that time in starting this ministry up. But 1 Corinthians 12 really talks about the role of the church. We, have, we all have different gifts in the church. There's all different types of people in the church. But let's look at, specifically, we're going to look at verses 22, 1 Corinthians 12 and following. Talking about the different members of the body, different gifted people. He says in verse 22, On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which deem less honorable on those we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member that lacks. So that the, there's no division of the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. And this is important here. If one member suffers, we all suffer. All the members suffer. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. All right, let me explain this here. He's saying when one part of the body hurts, the other part hurts. We're, we're a living organism, the church here. The church is a living organism. So when one part body hurts, we all hurt. It's like if we kick our toe, it's going to affect us. And we know Romans 12, 15 also said to rejoice with those, rejoice and cry and, and laugh with those that laugh. Since the body is one unit, many parts though, it is impossible for suffering in one body not to impact the whole body. This is an important way which disability blesses our church. We should be blessed for those people that are our church that are disabled. Because it reminds us, that we, something we don't want to forget, that we need each other. And God intentionally designed the church to include the parts that seem weaker. Those are the people that we need here. And it's sad in our image-driven world that we're taught that the, what's really important is having body perfection and being strong and, and uh, powerful. That's, that's what the world would say. And unfortunately, those with disabilities are treated less important down the, down the ladder, spectrum ladder, they're treated as less important, weaker. Yet what a blessing when God brings a disabled child into our lives, into a church, as well as those with adults that have disabilities. And they are seen as more important. God views, God views everything differently. God considers each person valuable because, again, he was made in his own image. And the design of the weak and strong together in one body is a great testimony of God's grace. We, and we have a great opportunity to love one another with grace and acceptance 
because of Christ. And disability teaches us to love and respect and hearty those that are different. Thank God for those people in our church that are disabled, we should be saying. What a great opportunity for us to love them, respect them, help them to come to know the Lord. So again, disability is a blessing. I, I tell people the greatest blessing that we ever had in our church is to have this ministry here, to have this ministry here. Yes, we are, we're all sinful. We need, we need the God's salvation. We need the grace of God. But what a great opportunity at a church like this that we can have a loving community. So when we see those with disabilities, we're seeing the eyes of Christ. We're seeing the eyes of Christ. The weaker members are more important and indispensable in this church. It's, we see disability not a separate ministry you know, off to the side here, but it's a normal opportunity to outwork the biblical love as a family of God. And we embrace human weakness here. It shows the working of God's strength and grace. And I'll, I can tell you, in my life, being a pastor for 20 years, I have seen God's grace and strength in disabled people and families in a profound way, how God takes care of these people in unique ways. And yes, it's difficult what the families have to go through. But to see how God takes care of them is, is, is unbelievable, how he's faithful to love these people and, and help these families. And again, I, I was thinking about having some parents in here today to share their testimonies to you, and you would be so encouraged to hear how the Lord gives them the grace and strength to do with you. We have a lady in our, in our ministry that's got three autistic boys. Two of them are lower functioning, high energy. And this lady is the sweetest, loves the Lord, and she count, I've been over to their house, and it's just incredible how they care for these kids. It's unbelievable. And one of them accidentally ran away a few months ago. This is really an interesting story. To show you the grace of God, he snuck out of the house. He's one of those kind of guys, some of these uh, autistic kids, like, they like to just shoot out the door and like to disappear. You have to keep an eye on them. Now, they, had, they have parameters in the home. They had an alarm on the door and everything, so if a kid runs out. But this kid did it. Like three in the morning, he ran out the door. They heard the alarm, but they were all sleeping. They kind of got up, and he was gone, barefoot. And this is in the summer. And so we were praying, oh, God, Lord, we hope we'll find this guy. He had gone eight miles barefoot, and they found him in a cheesecake factory of all places. <laughs> he ended up in a cheesecake factory. Feet, bare feet, his feet were hurting a little bit. And what's really encouraging, we, you know, we had called the police and they were looking for him, gave the description. Somebody at that cheesecake factory lo- loved this guy. Is that God's grace? I mean, they could have just said, get this weirdo out of here. They could have said, here's some homeless guy. Just get him out of here. Somebody loved him. They cleaned his feet up, called the police, and they got in touch with the parents. Is that God's grace? Eight miles, barefoot. And uh, so we have to keep an eye on this guy. <laughs> He's a funny character. They, they are a joy, though. But, but these parents are even the more joy to get to meet these parents. They are such a blessing. And we need, but we, as I said, we need to evangelize them. We have classes. We teach them God's word. Um, they love worship time. Oh, you should come into our worship time sometime and hear them worship the Lord. It's just, it's just amazing. Um, Okay, let me close by sharing just our heart motives here. What's the motives here as we serve, as we serve these? What can, what's to, what to motivate us? Obviously, God's honored by that. We want to realize that he is honored by the fact that we have a love for these people and a care for these people. It should come out of love and fear of God, though, too. We don't want to, we don't want to uh, defend God. We see these people. We want to be open. You know, if nothing else, if you saw disabled people at our church, when our church, just come and say hello to them. You know, just say hi to them. You don't have to get in a long discussion with them. Just, just say hello to them. But also, also, the fact is that we're all going to be disabled someday. You know, we think of ourselves again. I'm healthy. They're not. We're all going to be disabled someday. And as you get older, you begin to feel it. 70% of us will someday not be able to climb a flight of stairs. Some of us may end up in a wheelchair someday. Some of us are going to lose our eyesight. Some of us are going to be blind. You know, some of us are going to lose their hearing. Some of us are going to have, unfortunately, have Alzheimer's or dementia. This is the this is the road that we're on. But these people, unfortunately, have got have had these disabilities. Maybe at a younger age. Yes, it's difficult for a child. We have a little girl that's uh, three or four years old that's in a wheelchair in our ministry. Oh, she would melt your heart if you met her. Sweetest thing in the world. What kind of life is she going to have? You know, you think about that. Obviously, you do. But the greatest thing is she's got parents that love the Lord. That is huge, and that's going to be, have a huge impact on her life. 
and we wanted to understand God's love. And, you know, we're going to be rewarded someday for our love for these people. I believe God will have a special award for those that reach out to these people someday. Turn to Luke 14. I'm, as we're getting finished up here, Luke 14. 12 to, 12 to 14, but we'll go back a little bit further. This is talking about a meal, a wedding, wedding ceremony, a party. And they, you know, normally they invite the people that are real popular in society to come to this, the high dignitaries and all the, all the hubbalah people that would normally come. For, for some reason, though, this was going to be a different, a different wedding service, wedding ceremony. It says here, verse 12, he also went on to say the one who was invited, when you have given a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or brothers or relatives or neighbors. Otherwise, they may invite you in return. They will pay your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. And I think what he's saying here is we might not get a lot in return when we care for people with disabilities. Some of them can't even talk to thank you, to care for them. But our rewards are going to be in heaven for these special people. Uh, that's where our rewards will be in heaven. It can be, it's a selfless ministry. It's a selfless ministry ministering these people. But it's a great opportunity to learn to be selfless and caring. But at the end of the day, we're honoring the Lord for that. We're honoring the Lord. And then again, um, we've talked this earlier, we want to help the weak. You know, this is a gamut. When I say the weak, we're not just talking about disabled people. We are to have a heart for those that are weak. Acts 20, let's turn to Acts 20, verse 35. Talking about the weak. Acts 20, verse 35. I think Paul's talking here. He's in Ephesus at this point in his ministry. He's ministering to people in Ephesus. And, he's, and he, out, of the, out of the blue, he comes up with a statement. He says, In everything I showed you, by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Helping the weak. What a great opportunity it is to, to, to minister to these kind of people. And God will give us the strength. I tell you, I, these parents are examples of God empowering them with strength. How they care for these people. It's a 24-7 job is what it is. And the blessing we have for them bringing their kids to church here on Sundays, we give them an opportunity to go worship the Lord. That's a blessing. It's a true blessing. We want to do that. We want to, and some of them leave their kids for four hours to us. We have them for four hours. And they, they go to church. They can worship the Lord. They get involved in activities in the church. This is, gives them a break. But we're not babysitting these kids, so just, as I said earlier. We're not, this is not babysitting. We're teaching them the Word of God and loving them as much as we can. And we want to make sure that they are part of this church, part of this church. In closing, I want to just share a story that Johnny Erickson shared. By the way, if you have any questions afterwards, I'll be up here. If you have any questions, I'd love to talk with you. Johnny, you know, had to go through a difficult therapy. To, she broke her neck when she was 17. She, it took quite a while for her. They had to get her strength. They had to give her some strength in her arms. She went through a, a long, rigorous therapy program. And she went through some really times of questioning God, being angry at God for what happened. And during this time, the Lord sent a man, an old man. He used to visit her every day. She didn't even know who this guy was. I get touched when I hear this story because I think this man's with the Lord now, but this man um, had a huge impact in her life. Whether she was a Christian or not when she broke her net, we're not sure. I think she might have been a believer, but she wasn't really strong in the Lord. This man would come every day, pray with her, bring his Bible. But then one, one time he brought a, a box. He opened the box up and he's got paintbrushes in there. And she's going, what in the world did you bring these paintbrushes in there? I can't paint. Well, he taught her how to paint with her mouth. He worked with her and, and her paintings are amazing, by the way. If you guys have ever seen any of her work, it's incredible. But he taught her how to paint. He spent hours with her. And here was a woman that was really depressed. She was going through depression, anger at God, questioning God. And yet this man really helped turn her life around. And she, in her book, one of her books she wrote one day, she goes, I thank the Lord for this man. He showed me true selfless love. 
He would come, and I, she says, there were many times when I was not very nice to him. <laughs> she was in a bad mood, and she was cranky, and, and this man would still come and love me unconditionally. And he says, because of him, I'm where I am now. Lord, we'll use this man. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for um, examples as Johnny. I know I talked about her a lot this morning, but she has been a great example. You have used her as a tremendous testimony in this world and encouragement to those in the disabled community. She's a, she's a giant. But Lord, we know that this man that came into her life and loved her unconditionally really had a huge impact on her. You brought, sovereignly brought this man. And we too can have an impact on those with disabilities by just giving them a little time, showing some love, what a great, because we know that reflects you, Lord. I mean, we look at the scriptures. We see your love for these people. You loved them enough that you'd healed many of them. But you loved them, you loved them enough to have compassion. You, you made them a priority in your ministry. It was so clear. So, Lord, we're thankful that you bring these people in our lives. We're thankful that we have this disabled ministry here at our church. And we do pray that in the future, many of our ones, the ones that we miss would come back here. We miss them. But Lord, again, if nothing else this morning, I just want to thank you for your example, Lord, your love and compassion that you have to people who are hurting. Help us, Lord, to develop that. It's not natural in us to have that. Give us a love and compassion for the weak and the hurting in this church and and in our lives. And at the end of the day, you get the glory. We thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much.